welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Sitnik. Today's guest is Adam Curry, who is based in our Middle East region. He's a communicator with an impressive array of roles behind him, from copywriting for investment magazines in Canada to African leadership publications, and then moving into comms. Adam is now focused on safety communication for the world's largest energy company. Welcome, Adam. So, Adam, first question, what do you most like about being a communications professional? Great, and, and thanks for that introduction, Monique. It's, it's much appreciated. Yeah, sort of jumping into the what I like most about being a communications professional, it's, it's been a bit of a journey to get to where I want to be and to, to find out exactly what I enjoy most about it. But um, ultimately, and I think that, that most communications professionals will agree, is, is that the job is, is far from boring. Mm-hmm. It's always changing and uh, constantly evolving. I started off in a media background and the print side of things, um, you know, watching that sort of progress and the evolution of that to, to digital as well as social is, is definitely part of the appeal. So even though when you think you've sort of mastered something, that's far from the case and there's always room for improvements and, and always room to evolve, which has been the journey for me and uh, the rest of the communications professionals out there too. So ultimately, I would say it's down to, to just making sure that things are constantly exciting and not boring and, and unique. So that, that's been a major driver there. I would also say the ability to connect with people, both audiences, uh, management, whoever you're dealing with, customers, etc. Um, being able to connect with them, influence certain messages and making sure that things are put across in a professional and the, in the correct manner. Another part of the, uh, I would say the third piece of that puzzle is the multitude of skills that, that come from something like this. So, you know, the skill sets needed to, you know, drop the press release, to stand up and say a speech, to participate in a webinar, you know, all of these different elements of, of communications mm-hmm. is a key part of of why I enjoy being a communications professional. It's certainly exciting. And you've got such a varied background. Can you quickly take us through your experience and how you ended up in safety communication? Sure. As I'm sure you could probably tell from the accent, I'm uh, not uh, native to the the North Africa or the the Middle East region. So I'm currently actually based in Saudi Arabia, working for a large multinational oil company. I've had quite a varied background. I'm born and bred in South Africa, and that's where it sort of shaped my, my identity there. So I consider myself South African first and foremost. I then made a move over to Europe uh, post-university. I lived in London for a number of years and then ended up actually making the move to Canada in North America, which which was fantastic. Uh, That was a life journey. I met my wife in Canada and that is what took me over to that side of the world there. I would say Canada is where I sort of um, sunk my teeth into the the communication side of things. Up until that move, I was very much involved in journalism and media, which is my study background, uh, is in journalism and, and media communications background there. So when I made it over to North America and Canada, I started, you know, peeking into different areas that I might be interested in. And I found a real niche and, and passion for the resource sector. Mm-hmm. At in Canada, I worked for uh, two large mining organizations over there that that were uh, had global operations um, dealing in one was in base metals copper and the other one in precious metals gold. A key part of my communications development was in North America. There, I then had the opportunity to jump over the pond to Saudi Arabia and join a, a very large scale organization with a very unique employee base, customer base. 
And that's where I've been for the past six years. So I'm based in Saudi Arabia. And that, that's been the sort of evolution from a professional standpoint there. Um, it's been a great move, both professionally as well as as a family. And uh, we've, we've got to see a number of different cultures and, and flourish there. But that's the snapshot of my journey so far. Thanks, Adam. And I hope we get into the cultures a little bit later in our discussion. But I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit more about safety communication? Because it's quite niche. And I know that you've done some work in EVP and other areas of communications as well. But why is safety communication important? Yeah, thanks for the question. It's a great question. I've sort of found my way into the the safety communications almost by default, really. As I mentioned, I I found an area of interest in the resource sector. And in that, I was exposed to a lot of the sustainability stuff, both the safety, environmental. And I saw that there was a real gap and a need and an increased focus on the safety side of things. So I dipped into that. And when this opportunity came up, I, I grabbed it with both hands to join this part of the business. I work for a particular company that ha- I work in their safety department. I would say that we're critical to the business. Um, besides the cost element side of things, which I think sustainability seems to focus on that quite a bit, you know, ROI, cost to the business, uh, a safe business just makes business sense. Mm-hmm. I'm actually more intrigued and more pulled by the, the ethical responsibility side of things. You know, a lot of a lot of resource sector type companies come under scrutiny for um, a lot of different things uh, in the sustainability sector. One of them being the, the safety of its people, mm-hmm. and it's great to see more focus put on that area of the business, making sure that people are safe working for these companies. I think a lot of companies do it really well. So, so from my side, you know, I got involved in this when I when I got this role, and it's, it's been a focus for six years of intensive on the the safety side of the business, which has just been fantastic. Making sure that people go home every day, I think that ultimately that sort of ethical responsibility playing a role in how we not only communicate but also educate our workforce is quite fulfilling. Um, it's always changing and it's never something that we can rest on our laurels. You know, we could sit back and celebrate a million hours of instant free time. But at the same time, as we do that, we know that the next incident could be around the next corner or one minute away. So it's it's just constantly just keeping us on our toes, making sure that we're always looking for new and innovative ways to educate and communicate. And I would say that that is extremely important. I don't think there's room for any company to sit back and consider themselves to have a perfect method because it just simply doesn't exist. So, yeah, I think that it's one of the key pillars of any successful company in the modern business landscape. And I think that that is why the safety communications realm is extremely important. Absolutely. And can you just clarify, is it physical safety or does that include mental health and other areas of safety? So for my particular instance, it's the physical safety side of things. Um, I know some businesses cross into both. Our workforce is just so large and and so specialized that safety is our core focus. And then there is other areas of the business that will focus on the day-to-day health as well as mental health side of things too. So as far as my specialization, I don't really delve into the the physical health side of people. Mm -hmm. So mine's purely on on the industrial safety side. And when you talk about innovative campaigns, are there any sort of ideas that you can share with our listeners about how to go about that and, and where to start? Is it quite, you know, f- a really factual approach or 
does it have to be super creative or does it need to be engaging where you're getting feedback from staff all the time? Would you try and use enterprise social networks or, you know, different channels? Like I'm really curious as to, to how to approach this particular topic. Yeah, and I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all approach, to be honest. Um, one of the unique things that I've, I've got through working for large-scale companies, both in North America as well as in the Middle East, Africa region, has been my eyes opened as to what might work with a particular audience and what might not work. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, I might be working in communicating with the workforce in one of the most modern mines in the world in Quebec, Canada. Uh, There's certain ways that I might be able to communicate uh, safety materials or educational materials to them that I could use the the latest technologies, the latest digital apps in in getting that across. Whereas perhaps those mediums might not work in in certain regions and certain target audiences. Uh, Somebody working in the middle of a desert might not have access to those sorts of things too. Mm -hmm. So it's a range of different mediums. I don't think there's any one size fits all approach. And I think that might work if, you know, a company was based in one particular area. But as soon as you expand upon that, I think it's critical that that that's expanded upon. We work off an approach uh, in my current role whereby I would be involved in the creation of safety communications materials across as many mediums as possible in as many languages as possible. I want to make what we have to say as accessible as possible to the target audience or the recipient that needs to get that. As far as the content, uh, we approach it in different ways. We, we have a very open two-way communication. We want to be communicating to people, both, you know, based both on the data, the safety incidents that might be happening in a particular area, we'll, we'll let that you know lead the way. But we'll also open that conversation up to that target audience and say, what are the things that you guys are struggling with that you need to know more about? Is there a gray area on a certain safety practice on a certain area of the business? And making sure that we fill those gaps there too. So you mentioned earlier on the, you know, why safety communications is important is it's just that there is no one size fits all approach and things need to be customized according to the business, according to the geography, according to educational levels, according to language. Um, all of these things come into play. It's not a media medium whereby you might put out a you know, financial magazine to the financial sector and you know, it's very much clear cut as, as to how you can deliver that message. This is, is something that's unique, ever changing. The next incident, like I say, is, is only a moment away and we need to plan ahead for that and get that focused on. Yeah, I, I would say that that's critical. And more than ever, there's a focus on physical safety as well. Following the World Cup, there was a particular recognition of the value of every single human life, as we know. Just wanting to delve a little bit more into the multilingual workforce. You mentioned that you need to focus on being able to communicate with a wide range of not only educational levels, but also different languages. And I'm presuming in different regions, there's different cultures, even though they may have the same language, but they have a different take on it. How how do you go about making that global local? Yeah, another great point. And I, something I don't think that the communications industry has, has actually mastered as yet. I think it's it's still an ongoing journey. I mean, I can speak to the experience that I've had. And again, I, I've been lucky enough to work in some multinationals across different uh, cultures, across different languages. 
Um, one of the key things that have, you know, has propelled us forward is the ability to communicate in mother tongue of the recipient. So, you know, we have this workforce of, again, let me draw back to the Canadian example whereby, you know, you need to communicate everything in French to a mine worker in Quebec. We're in the middle of a desert in Saudi Arabia. Uh, there's no point in communicating something in English to somebody that speaks Hindi or Urdu. So we need to, first of all, bridge that gap make sure that those materials are available in that mother tongue. I think that that is a huge step forward. Besides just the language element of it too, there's also been a focus on our side. I've been involved in projects whereby we're, we're trying to transcend the way we do messaging, focus more on visual, focus more on animation, making sure that instructors are speaking the mother tongue when they're you know teaching people about safe practices and using these communications materials. So I think that this has been absolutely massive in bridging that gap on the multilingual workforce. A key back office element of that too is making sure that we get leadership buy-in for something like this. I'm lucky enough to work in a company where uh, safety is a core value and our leadership don't need convincing as to the importance of safety and sending every employee home every day. So getting that management support at the top level, that cascades down in, into making our job a lot easier in making sure that we can get those materials available to people. And also at that sort of mid-management level too, they're obviously aware of the direction in which the business is going. They're aware that there's that management buy-in. There's aware of the safety element on the stakeholder side. But ultimately, again, I think leading a team, you know that the people under you, uh, you're responsible for their safety. And I think you're going to go out of your way to make sure you do everything you can to make sure that everyone goes home safely every day. Mm -hmm. So that makes my life a lot easier on the communication side of things. That buy-in's there. Uh, making sure we get that across in visual formats, in conversations, everything. It doesn't need to be formal meetings where these things are brought up. You know, reminders to your friend, just, hey, I saw you, you know, working on this particular thing and perhaps there was something that happened there and, you know, that could end pretty badly. So next time let's, um, you know, pay attention to that. Even those small little conversations can have incremental changes make big differences. Mm -hmm. So I would say that even though we have a very diverse workforce, with a number of different languages. This company has one of the most nationalities I've ever seen. We all speak the common language and making sure that safety is the key driver. And I think that comes across in our communications materials. There are quite a few little things that you, or big things I should say, that you touched on there. So the real grassroots ownership of your colleagues and, and sharing the message at that grassroots level um, is really interesting. That's what I've taken away from, or one of the things I've taken away from what you've just mentioned. I'm also curious because one of our previous podcasts was on localizing global communication with Ray Walsh and Cecilia Maldonado, and they mentioned the need for critical safety or critical content to be in the native language. Not only that, but to have it checked by a local native speaker and I was just wondering sort of how do you go about doing that do you use translators with an agency or do you have checks and balances in place for that it's a very specific question no worries and I yeah I mean that again is a great question making sure that that is spot on is crucial I'll, I'll, that makes me think back again to the Canadian example mm -hmm. if I was to communicate a safety message in French I wouldn't be using a translator in Paris to do that uh, even though they speak the same language on the on the face level there's certain you know certain nuances that are localized that, that need to come across mm -hmm. from my experience currently where I am it's extremely stringent in in what we do and how we communicate things 
things, especially the importance of making sure that we get things accurate. So if we were to put something out in multiple languages, that would need to go through a, a verified translator. We would then run those materials past uh, subject matter experts from the technical side in our safety department and make sure that that is absolutely clear. So for example, uh, we put out a booklet on fall prevention safety. Mm -hmm. If I was to translate that, we would translate that into Urdu using a, an agency. Uh, we would then pass it past uh, an Urdu speaking subject matter expert that could verify that everything is absolutely spot on. And before that goes out, there's definitely checks and balances when it comes to safety. Similar to finance, it, it can be missing a comma or a dash could have astronomical consequences and we need to make sure that that is correct. So yeah, uh, I would say we follow a, a stringent process on that and I would advise um, anyone does that in terms of uh, safety communications. It's a huge responsibility. So what advice would you give someone who's interested in working as a safety communicator as a specialist or even just starting out in communication? Do you have any tips on getting started or maybe things that they should check in with themselves to check that it's the right direction for them? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about safety in particular, but I mean, I could speak to those, those general tips that have served me well in my particular career. It's just about finding your niche, finding your passion. I'm lucky in that I've happened to find mine and passionate about that and I happen to enjoy that but any communicator I would say is is to follow a similar path to what I've experienced and I, I just did mine through trial and error and, and it's just been the, the path for me. Getting out there, um, mm -hmm. I would say take some freelance gigs immediately for people, start writing, start communicating for different clients, big companies, small companies, put yourself out of your comfort zone, go for companies that are in areas that you've never really thought of before, learn more about those things because you could be extremely surprised as to you know where your passion might lie. You know, sometimes you might have an idea in the beginning, but at the end of it, you, you might be a, an extremely different direction to when you just started. So I would say get out there, get as many opportunities as you can and, and find that niche. And I think you're going to find that pretty quickly as to what you like and what you don't. I would say networking is critical. Over the years, I've been in the industry now about um, coming on 15 years. I'm finding networking is absolutely crucial. You know, there's sometimes those conversations at an association event or uh, even meeting a communications professional from a different area of your own business, you know, those, those somewhat, uh, you know, just those flyby sort of meetings or, or those conversations can sometimes stick in people's minds mm -hmm. and sometimes lead to, to good things. You know, opportunities arise in different areas of the business. An individual or a decision maker might remember back to a meeting from a few years back speaking to an individual or a particular person. And that could lead to, to some pretty good things there too. So don't be shy, get your face out there, communicate, meet as many people as you can from different areas of the business and outside of your business business too, because you never know where that could lead. One of the things that I found massively useful too is surround yourself with a mentor. And when I say a mentor, I don't necessarily mean, you know, if I'm joining the communication sector, I, you know, I need a communications professional as a mentor. I think back to the history and where I've been and I found that the best mentors I've had have been, you know, in a previous role, a VP on safety and sustainability was fantastic. She took the time to sit with me and talk to me and instill a passion because she was passionate about that. At the same time, there was a mine manager at uh, one of our mine sites who, who spoke with such passion about the operation side of things. Mm -hmm. I used these people as mentors, not necessarily on the communication specialization, but 
just their passion, their ability to take the time to speak to people, pass on knowledge, everyday things, you know, uh, look at problems differently, uh, look at, at different solutions from a different lens. It doesn't need to be that one mentor. Take the best of what you can from as many people as you can. And I think that at the end of that journey, you're just going to walk away with these little nuggets of wisdom and, and ways of doing things which ultimately is going to shape your career and, and make you a better communications professional, a communicator, and ultimately just a great professional. So I would say that those have been key to my journey. And those are the sort of words of wisdom that I would pass on to up and coming communications professionals. Absolutely. I second that on the mentorship. I spoke to my mentor yesterday morning, actually, and could not thank her enough for just all of the insights and the conversations that we'd had over the past year, it's just such, I don't know, it's very uplifting feeling to know that you've got someone who's in your corner and happy and open to share insights on tricky situations, share their challenges as well. So you realise that things aren't always perfect, even in a different position or a more senior position. Yeah, there's, they seldom are. And uh, yeah, I, I second you on that. Just, just I, it, It's very easy to work out who are the right people that you want to surround yourself with. Go with your gut. If those people have those positive attributes, just be a sponge, take everything you can from them. And, and those are often the people that are willing to take the time for you too. So Adam, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today that pops into your mind? No, it's just to, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on this podcast. I hope it's of interest to some people. Always free to chat and connect to people. Um, just keep asking questions, keep taking the communications realm forward and let's just keep doing what we're doing. I think communications professionals are moving the world forward and I think that we have an exciting road ahead of us. Absolutely. And I think, Adam, that was a free invitation for people to reach out to you on LinkedIn. Thank you so much as well to our listeners. Please do share this episode if you liked what you heard. And you can also sign up for Adam's IABC Amina webinar on the 8th of March. And you can talk to him personally uh, during the webinar. Visit our website, iabcemena.com to find out more about our events, including our webinar with Adam on safety communication and also find out more about our board members and how you can connect with other people in our region. Thank you also to our podcast editor, Michael Kumritz, and wishing everyone a great week. Thanks again, Adam. Bye.